You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 295. Hey, everybody. We are super excited to do another show. We have a guest on the show because it's an odd number show, mm-hmm. I think. 295 is an odd number, yes. We do. Um, it is Memorial Day weekend, so this is coming out hopefully on Memorial Day. And so to commemorate Memorial Day, we got a Canadian on the show. Because <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Welcome to JP Dacos, uh, better known as Papa Thumb from Little Big Thumbs. How you doing, JP? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited <laughs> to be here. All right. We wanted to have, we've actually talked about having you on off and on for a little while, but you know, this is the right opportunity to get you on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of what you do and, uh, and your channel and you know, that kind of thing, but that's not how we start the show. You have to start with a fact. I do have the to The listeners start with a fact. demand. The, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I have literally never heard a listener demand a fact. <laughs> it has never happened. <laughs> listeners have sent us food for science which we have eaten on the show. Listeners have sent us facts, Let's, I, like twice. Okay. Nick sent us a fact <laughs> once, and I think Duena sent us a fact once. That's twice? I suppose you're right, but nobody has demanded a fact. So, all right, so all right, all right. I just, I'm just i all for integrity on the here. Family Gamers podcast. Fine. <laughs> I demand a fact. Okay, okay. At well, least tonight. You know, all right. I spent a fair amount of time searching for facts for episode 295, and I came up with a whole lot of nothing. So... When you are stuck, you lean into the absurd. Well, you do anyway. All right, that's fair. <laughs> I leaned into the absurd, and I went directly to the Guinness Book of World Records website. Okay. And I pulled three facts, all of which are completely ridiculous. Because at this point, like, all of the really cool stuff has been done in ways that, you know, you're probably not going to be able to beat. So people come up with, like, really, really obscure and bizarre yes. things. So I have... Three of them. Involving the number 295. Involving the number 295 in some way. Are you ready? Lay it on me. Okay. The longest jump was achieved by David Weichenberger in Austria during the event Vienna Recordia in Vienna, Austria on September 16th, my birthday, 2006. Okay. Now, the question, I would like to ask both of you this question. I hope you didn't look an intro. The question is, okay, so JP, I'm only asking you. So, JP, on what vehicle was this man riding when he jumped 295 centimeters? Oh, boy. Remember, I'm leaning into the absurd here. All right. All right. Oh, I'm going go, to go with a tricycle. You are so close. It's a- not even funny. chair? <laughs> the longest jump, 295 centimeters, was achieved. <laughs> the longest jump on a unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I you were really close. <laughs> 295 centimeters. Well, 16 years ago, almost September 16, 2006. Here we go. The next one. This is only one of my three. The next one, 295 handheld lasers simultaneously lit. The most handheld lasers lit simultaneously is 295. It was achieved by Capital Land in China in Chengdu. Sichuan, China, on December 19th, 2014. Okay. Can I read this last one? This is ridiculous. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Because these weren't ridiculous enough. I told you. Okay. I I told you I leaned into the absurd. The most people filling in their eyebrows simultaneously is 295 people. It was achieved by Benefit Cosmetics in Union Square in San Francisco in 2018. I should note the record attempt was organized in the shape of two giant eyebrows. All right, I you know what? They're leaning into the absurd there too. So, credit where credit is due. So, what I really want to know, first of all, listeners, if you have facts for these numbers, you would save me a lot of time by sending them to me. However, if you prefer the absurd, I suppose you should let me know. You can find us on social media at Family Gamers AA. Please let us know. Uh, whether you prefer the interesting or the absurd facts. Okay. All right. 
And with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, my dear. Did you know that risk when it comes to investing is anything happening other than what is expected? So when that stock you bought went up more than you thought it would, that was risk at work with the return deviating from the mean. Now, let's do a small sample experiment. I'm going to ask JP the question. JP, if I offered you a wager on a coin flip, where on heads you lose $100 and on tails you gain $150, would you take that wager? Ooh, probably not. Most people wouldn't because your quick internal math makes the potential loss of $100 feel larger than the potential gain of $150. Or sometimes you're falling for the sunk cost fallacy that the money you already have is worth more than money that you don't already have. Either way, this shows how much most people are loss averse, not risk averse. The amount of loss aversion you have should influence how you invest, how much insurance you own, and how much you have in your emergency fund. Knowing more about ourselves and how we instinctively react will help us make better financial decisions in the future. If you want to talk to someone about your natural money instinct, reach out to First Move Financial to schedule a free call by going to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers. Thanks so much to First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the show. All right, JP, so we kind of mentioned Little Big Thumbs a little bit. Can you just give us a very, very quick preview of what we're going to talk about second half of the show? Like, what is Little Big Thumbs? Pretend you're on TikTok. Give us, like, the 30 seconds. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. So uh, Little Big Thumbs is all about trying to find those games that are uh, equally fun for for younger players and older players. Um, and uh, and that's that's kind of the, the goal. We Obviously, we play all sorts of different games and share what we like and sometimes don't about those games but the ones that kind of hit the bullseye are the ones that are super fun for kids but also super fun for me and my other adult gaming friends all right yeah that was short and concise we could have been in an elevator because that was a great pitch all right (laughs) so that being said this is the time in the show where we talk about what we've been playing now last week we had a relatively short show because we were talking about short games yes and at the end of the show you said i think we should go upstairs and play a game and we did and we did we played Voltage. Mm-hmm. So I I guess intuitively understand this game better than you do. Not that you don't understand it, but I always seem to get the edge on you somehow. Okay, so I want to have a little conversation with all, all the gamers out there. You ever play one of these games where it seems like whoever you're playing against is always pulling the right card and you are always pulling the wrong card? When Anitra and I play Voltage, that's exactly what it's like. Every time. And each just happens to get all the lucky cards. It's, and it's I happen to get all the unlucky edge cards. on the way I play it. I don't think it's luck. I don't think it's luck either. I'm I, I especially don't think it's luck because I then turned around and taught this to our son, Asher. And after I beat him the first time, he has beat me every time since. Good. I'll play against <laughs> Asher. We'll see what'll happen. It'll be some weird rock, paper, scissors thing. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we, uh, we played Voltage right after we recorded the show last week. Yeah, and I really do love the game. I love the simplicity of it, and it's got really great components, although there aren't very many of them. It always surprises me to to be like, and this is from Mattel, mm. Mm. but it's a really thinky two-player game that's not too complicated. Yeah, so they've reprinted this, so like the version we have, like I don't know what the components are like in the newer one that people are more familiar with. It's yeah, a black and yellow box. I don't even know if that one is still in print anymore, but it's a good I know it's game. still available you somewhere. Get your hands yeah. on it. It's fun. It's fun. JP, what have you been playing? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to play games, but uh, the, the, <laughs> probably the one of the ones that's hit the table most frequently uh, in the last couple of weeks, maybe it might have been uh, Sobek, two players. Ah, yes, Sobek. Uh, I think this just released to, to retail from Pandasaurus. And uh, this is a reworking of a game from 2010, and at the, at the core of the game, you've got this grid-based board. And kind of like, like a ticket-to-ride game. It's kind of, you, you're either taking tiles or you're playing tiles. But the twist is that you've got these hidden character cards that add this extra degree of interaction in the game. And a few other elements that add a degree of sort of nastiness to it. Kind of makes it a game where, depending on who you're playing with, that's going to determine how successful it is. Uh, if you enjoy kind of that back-and-forth kind of biting gameplay, with still that kind of that ticket-to-ride feel to it then this one's going to go over great but if you've got someone say like my my partner really didn't enjoy this game because of the why did you do that to me you could have chosen something that didn't hurt me but you chose something that did Uh uh-huh yeah yeah yeah. but for me with the right player so back two players is uh is a home run and it's going to stay on my shelf 
Awesome. I talked to the folks at Pandasaurus at Gamma at the, the expo, and they were saying that the old game, the 2010 game, it was good and great at three and four players, but it was kind of broken. Like there was a way that it was just broken at two players. And so that's one of the reasons why it kind of faded into obsolescence. And then when Cathala brought it back, he really focused on that two player aspect and trying to fix that. And then in the process of fixing that realized this is just a great two player game. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why it uh, came out as a two player only game. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Well, I will admit our seven-year-old has gotten me to play several more games of Spot It, occasionally bringing in an older sibling or two as well. But the more I play Spot It, the more I can really appreciate the simplicity here. And it's one of those games that really is fun for literally anyone to play. You don't even need to be able to read. And it keeps everybody engaged for the like 10 minutes that the game takes. It's a good one to keep in a bag or in a purse or something to just be like, you know what? We just need to burn some time. Let's play this game. And we bought the waterproof edition. So it's in a mesh bag and all the cards are kind of plasticky. Mm -hmm. Well, that's neat. Oh, Um, I mean, it was like $2 more than the regular one. So, you know, whatever. And knowing Uh, the destructive tendencies of my seven-year-old, I was like, yes, this makes an excellent (laughs) choice. (laughs) All right. uh, Next on the list is a game from Portal Games called Gutenberg. Now, this is definitely not a game for kids. I mean, it's (laughs) it's not inappropriate. There's nothing inappropriate about this game, but it is far too complex. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. So Gutenberg is an engine builder. Uh, where you are essentially managing your own printing press. There are asymmetric player powers, but they say for your first game, do not use them. So we did not use them when we played. The thing I love about this game, which is really, really neat, is so there's this kind of, I guess I'd call it a blind bidding mechanic, where you have a set of action points, and there's like five different things that you can do. It's It's not like worker placement. Well, it's in the round. Everybody is going to do these five things if you put some amount of if action you, points If you in. bid action points yeah. on them. So you have like a screen and you have a board that represents all of these different actions that you can take during the turn. And you bid your action points against it and then everybody open, you know, reveals their screen at the same time and whoever bid the most for each of the individual things gets to do them first. But if you bid anything, you get to do them. You just have to do them after, you know, the first person. So there may be resources that are available that if you really want them, you might want to bid more because then you can get those resources before someone else does, et cetera. Yeah. One of the things on there that's really cool is these gears. I so, knew you were going to talk about the gears you, eventually. Of course, of course I was going to talk about The gears are cool. So you have a player board with three of these like spokes on it. And you can draft these gears that you then put on the spokes. And they actually mesh together and you actually turn them. But I think it's super cool that it's not like a game like Zolkin where the board has all the gears that mesh together and they're always there and they're always kind of the same. You're literally putting the gears onto your board and then you're able to turn them every round to get whatever powers are on those gears. And they really turn and they really mesh together and it's very neat. And within the rules, we noted that you can use the gear action like when you would normally put a gear on your board to instead pick up turn and replace a gear in place if you're like oh i don't like the other stuff that's coming up on this yeah like i I can't and i can't use it this turn you know what i'm gonna pick it up i'm gonna move it around i'm gonna put it back down and then next turn i am gonna be able to do exactly what i want to do with it so the game is essentially you are completing these orders and orders give you money and if you do optional extra stuff they also give you victory points and you use the money to buy little like wooden typesets that you can then use to build more orders. So it's just the vowels, really. A-I-O-U are the type that's in the game. And every order is some combination of letters. And then there's this optional stuff that's like, it wants you to use colored ink, or it wants you to have a certain skill level in some decoration type or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of multiple parts to the optional piece. So if you do this part, okay, you'll get three points. If you dis- do this part, you'll get four points. But if you can do all of the optional stuff on an order, you get a total of like 10, 13, 15 something points. Something like that, yeah. It was our, I mean, first time playing. And I think I won like 88 to 87 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it ended up being real close. It was extremely close. close at the end of the game. So this is definitely too complicated for a kid. Probably our 11-year-old would play this because he just kind of loves complicated games. This is probably a step down from like a Zolkin or a Teotihuacan or, or one of those games. So if you've played those, this is probably a little bit 
easier than those games, which means it's like exactly where I want it to be from a weight perspective. Because I like Teotihuacan and I like Zulkin, but like they do make my brain hurt. There was no point at which I, in playing this game, yeah. that I was like, oh. Yeah. This was the type of game, it's a little bit more heavy and complex than I prefer, but I certainly wouldn't mind playing it. It's not in the sweet spot for me, but it's definitely still fun. Yeah. So that's Gutenberg from Portal Games. Our reviewer, Dave, is going to review that game. Yes. So he'll be getting that relatively soon. Then that'll come on the site in the next month or so. Eh, probably, this summer, yeah. Probably. Yeah, that game's good. It's, I, it I like fun. it a lot. It's a really good game. I look forward to playing it with Dave. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> All right, what's next on your list, JP? Uh, Anitra, you mentioned Spotted, and that made me think of a game that I've been playing with both of my kids, uh, and that is Go Pop Presto from Fox Mind. That takes the same sort of flip a card, quickly react to a thing, mm -hmm. and adds in those popping fidget toys. Fox Mind has been doing those Go Pop toys for mm -hmm. better part of a decade now, and people right. just kind of didn't really pay attention until sometime in the last year or so. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I've seen a little bit about this game, but I don't really know how it's different than just using the one GoPop and playing a game on that. So can you tell me? So the deck of cards, it certainly is what makes the difference. And there's, uh, I think there's four different kinds of cards. There are cards that'll give you a specific pattern. So you've got, I think it's a four by four pop it grid and everybody's got their own separate pop it toy. And, and you've got to recreate the pattern that comes up on the card. And the first one to get it done, and there's this little like stress buddy in the middle of the table uh, that you've got to squish. First one to squish it, finish the pattern, squish the thing, gets the card. So that's one of them. There's also uh, pop all of the of the bubbles on your uh, go pop toy uh, with one particular finger. It might say use your pinky or use your thumb or or okay. what have you. Yep. There's a, there's a number of pops. So it might say give me a nine nine pops. Pop 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 and squish the thing to get that card. And the last one, I think it's called, just called the pop card. And this is pop all of the bubbles in your thing, flip it over, pop them all again, and then grab the thing. And nice. so there's a, there's a race element to it, but there's also like a bit of pattern recognition for, for my younger one who's just turned five, counting above 10, like, like reading the number like 11 or 13 or what have you is a challenge. So that gets us a little bit of, uh, of reading experience and then and then actually counting it up and making sure you're not skipping numbers. So for us, it's got a little bit more, bite isn't the right word, but uh, there's a little bit more kind of skills development yeah. than playing some of those other reaction games. And we're, we're loving it. We've played it, I would say, 40 times in, in like six weeks or so. It's been fantastic. Awesome. Sweet. Well, speaking of uh, simple games... And skill development. <laughs> uh, we've also been playing some more Top Trumps Match. So this is uh, a game we're going to talk about more in the break, in the snap review. But my 30-second description is it's like a cross between Connect 4 and Battleship. You are trying to make five in a row on your side, either vertically, horizontally, or from corner to corner. But you're making it with these cubes, which you push a cube in to some spot which then pushes a cube out on your opponent's side. They look at that, they pick what side they want to put in, they push it in somewhere else, and you go back and forth. It feels way more interactive than your typical four-in-a-row or five-in-a-row game. It comes in tons and tons of themes. So we have a classic DC Comics, which really appeals to us <laughs> and our kids. But like when I saw a big display of them, it was like dinosaurs and minions and Disney princesses and Harry Potter and like all the things. Yeah. So Top Trumps makes these decks of cards where you kind of play this almost war-like Trump game. Yeah. Right. And so they've got those in a bajillion intellectual properties. And this is kind of a different game that they've pasted those same intellectual properties <laughs> onto the different games. So they just have a lot of IPs. And it's interesting. I'm really curious what Top Trumps is going to keep doing with all this stuff because they have the licenses and it's almost like they're like the casual version of the op. Yeah, they definitely make very, very casual games and they're fun. I mean, the Top Trumps match, the thing that really got to me is that it sounds like, okay, whatever, it's cubes. So you've got like six things on a cube. Well, there's 15 characters total in the game. So it's not like every cube is identical. You know, somebody pushes out a cube and you look at it, you're like, oh man, none of the guys I want are even on this cube. Where can I, can I just stick it somewhere to mess up my opponent's plans? I don't know. 
So I really like that about well, it. And the, yeah, it's not reliable that what you push through is going to help them in any way right. at, at all. It so might, it, it might really hurt them or it might help them because you don't know what yeah, they're looking at. It's incredibly difficult to be strategic in a game like this. Yeah. I also have to mention again, this is one of those games that when you're done with it, it's like one more step to clean it up and then it's completely put away. I love that. I love that when playing with kids. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all do. <laughs> well, that's not the only DC game that was played by the Family Gamers this week. I mean, yes, but the one that you played is very different. Yes. Also, a game that's probably an adult game. Again, the themes in it are not super inappropriate, but like, eh, this is definitely like 11, 12, Pre- 13 at a minimum. Range. At a minimum. Yeah. And I played Everybody Lies Batman. This is a game that is based on the detective game from Portal and all of the mechanics they developed around that, but themed for Batman. So I had two friends come over and uh, I played as Vicky Vale. Uh, one, one of the other guys played as Catwoman, Selena Kyle. And then the other one was, I don't even remember who. It, it doesn't matter. Mario? No, Bullock. <laughs> Warren Bullock. So the the uh, the Gotham City Gazette, the like manager person's name was Mario. So they were uh, making Mario jokes. So yeah, there there were many voices. I was talking like this, you know, but whatever. So, so yeah, so it is a four part story, and we played the prologue, which is supposed to be easier and shorter, and it still took a couple of hours because you know we were goofing around half the time. But I mean, it's a detective game, so you're going around and you're talking to people and you're trying to follow leads and you know you're doing all this stuff. It wasn't as complicated as other games, kind of like this that we've played before. I'm thinking of Suspects, which I had played a while ago and you played this week as well. It wasn't quite as hard as that. Like, we solved everything in this. I have a couple of small issues. The story was super interesting in the prologue, um, and I'm looking forward to playing more of it. I I don't want to go into depth, you know, now, but in the review, I'm definitely going to talk about some things that I would have preferred were slightly different, especially since it has a Batman theme. Like one big one is since you don't ever play as Batman, I feel like at certain points in the game, there should have basically been a like, okay, if you have found X, read card Y. If you have not found X, read card Z. And that is the opportunity for Batman to drop down and be like, hey, morons, here's some information. I'm the world's greatest detective. You need to know this. And and then at the end of the game, because it's got that whole like scoring system, if you did it in this amount of time, whatever, just include those in the scoring system. Sure. sure. And because the problem with a detective game, I just said I wasn't going to talk about this and I'm talking about it. The problem with a game like this is like you might go through the entire game and be completely wrong about everything. And then you, you know, you try to like answer the questions and you're wrong and you're like, well, I just wasted three hours like that. You know what I mean? So like something especially because it's, I mean, it's got a theme with an excuse to lead the players along built into it. Yeah. Right. I just, I really would have liked to have seen something like that. And that wasn't there. I mean, I, the game's a 14 plus game. So like learn to deal with disappointment guys and that's fine. But I mean, it's a Batman game, like use Batman. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. So you brought up, I had forgotten already that I played suspects with our daughter, the little one adventure kit thing that we got. Yeah. So we got from, I think it's studio H. Yeah. has a game called Suspects. Claire, what's her name? Claire, Claire Harper. Harper arrives or something like that. And it's three of these mysteries featuring Claire Harper, the detective. But they also sent us kind of like a mini adventure, which is basically like a prologue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you played that. Yeah. And so I played that and it was really cool to work through it. This is one of those ones where in theory you're timed, but your timer is the number of cards that you go through. So you can actually take your time examine the details really, really thoroughly, and then decide when you're ready to move on to another card. It's just that there are a couple of cut points in the game of like, hey, have you figured out any of the answers to the questions by the time you've gone through 20 cards? Have you figured out any of the answers by the time you've gone through 40 cards? Maybe you've figured out a different answer at 40 cards than you did at 20 cards or something like that. And then you can work all the way through all the cards before you find out the true solution. And then you can go back and say like, okay, well, I didn't figure this part out at all. So I get zero points for that. But this part I figured out really early. I get more points for that. And this part I figured out, but I figured it out in that last chunk of cards. So I get like a point. And so, you know, it's mostly you feel fulfillment from solving the mystery. 
And then it's like, oh, also I have some points and I can measure my success on a scale. I liked it, but it's definitely, it was harder than I was expecting. It is very much a look for all the details, examine and re-examine stuff. Don't think that just because you stumbled upon something that it is the right answer, because this is one of those ones where there are tons of suspects and they're all trying to mislead you it, because everybody has things to hide. I told you it was hard. Yes. And you, I, we did better than you did, but we still didn't do well. <laughs> wow. 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 Okay. Well, there were two of you. <laughs> uh, yes. That's part of why we did better. Also, we were warned that it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to trying the other ones. I suspect they're still going to be hard. Uh, you think? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how that's going to go, but we'll obviously let our listeners and readers and stuff know when we get there. Yeah. All right, JP, last one. What do you got for me? Last one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What am I going to choose for the last one? I think I'm going to go with, I don't know if you've heard of these new pocket games from DeVere. I have seen them. Yes. You've seen them. Excellent. Excellent. The one that I've played most frequently of the three is called Ouch. And this is a kind of a push your luck card flipping game where you're trying to have like sort of the most bountiful collection of, of a, a bouquet of flowers. But these flowers are on cactuses. And you know what else is on cactuses? It's those little spiky ouchies, hence the name of the game. And so uh, each round there are six cards on the table. They're face down. And you've got to choose one card and one edge of one of those cards. And then you, so you, you pinch it in your fingers and then you flip that card over. And then you look at your fingers and see, is there some cactuses under my fingers? In which case, if there is, you say, ouch, and that card goes away. You don't get it. But if there's not cactuses on the other side, you get to keep the card. And every flower that was on the the, the underside of the card uh, gets you one point. And every uh, set of four different colors of flowers gets you four points. And whoever's got the most red flowers will get a, a single bonus of five points. And this game only takes like, 15 minutes to play. This one is, uh, I've played this one with both of my kids. They love it. They're saying, give me the cactus game. <laughs> it's great. I've played it at, at uh, you know, on the go. I think we're probably going to bring it for a long drive coming up in the near future. Have a little one of those table trays and give it a go yeah. on there. It's kind of an everywhere game. Mm. And it's so short that even if you're not crazy about push your luck games, there's no reason not to give it a try. Yeah, this sounds great. I think I saw your video about it and it made me go, oh, this would be a great one to play with my kids, especially these times when we're waiting around like, uh. 10 minutes until we can get into here or we're waiting around for a middle school band concert. <laughs> Just, you know, hypothetically speaking, yeah, that, like we that's, haven't that's, had that's, three of those recently, right. but yeah, just super simple. Press your luck, press your luck with no dice, which means it's not going to be loud and annoying to the people around us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I dig it. Sounds good. Sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. All those games look pretty cool. Yeah, so. I agree. All right. Well, I guess that's it for what we've been playing. We're going to take a quick break. We are going to hear a snap review about that Top Trumps match game that we were talking about. And when we come back, it's all going to be little big thumbs. We'll be right back. You know, Anitra, sometimes you just kind of want to maybe not play a heavy euro, check out a little bit, and play something a little bit more simple. Yeah, a four-in-a-row or five-in-a-row game is great for that. There's still definitely strategy there, but it's just a lot simpler. Just a lot less going on. This is a snap review for Top Trump's Match, a two-player game from the same company that brought us Top Trump's. Top Trump's Match is a simple game for two players that feels a little bit like Connect Four and a little bit like Battleship. So let's talk about the art in this game or set of games. So there are a ton of versions of this game. We have here the classic DC Comics version. Uh, I am partial to Batman myself. The heroes and villains look just like we'd expect. Kind of classic, a little bit more classic. Yeah, than that's kind why of it says classic DC Comics. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. The cubes are pretty satisfying to hold. They're good and chunky, and they slide into place in the main board. I love that the game is completely self-contained. When you're done playing, you just put the cards back, click up both sides, and you're done. It's put away. Yay! So let's talk about the mechanics of how to play this game. Start by opening up the game board and taking out the stack of cards. Check the 25 cubes that are on the board. There should be no more than two similar cubes showing in the same row or column or the two diagonals from corner to corner. Then deal two cards to each player. 
The first player pushes out the top left corner. Then the second player takes that cube, turns it to any side they'd like, and pushes it into a different spot on the grid. Players keep taking turns in this fashion, each time pushing the available cube into a spot on their side, which pushes a cube out on their opponent's side. When a player gets five identical symbols in a row, it's time to check the cards. If your match is the same as one of your cards, you get two points. If the five in a row is not represented on either set of cards, you get one point. But if it's the same as one of your opponent's cards, they steal the match. Arrgh! And they get a point instead. <laughs> play until one person reaches five points, or really, however long you want to play the game. So, Anitra, I love DC. What did you expect from this game? So the very first time I saw this game, it immediately grabbed me. It's incredibly simple to understand. It's a five-in-a-row game with a lot more back and forth between the players. Plus, there's a sturdy case and tons of cool themes to choose from. Huge number. DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Minion, Disney, Princesses, Pixar, even dinosaur characters, farm animals, whatever. The simplicity combined with the theme tells me this is a game that eh, pretty much any kid is going to enjoy. I, I mean, I enjoy it. I'm not even a kid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But were there any surprises in Top Trump's match? Well, I mean, there's not a lot going on here, right? So there really weren't that many surprises. The one big change we made in playing was to actually look at our cards rather than doing a reveal after the five in a row was made. According to the rules, you're not supposed to look at the cards. But this means that you can unwittingly make a match that the other player steals once the cards are revealed. Knowing what your own cards are allows just slightly more strategy and a tiny bit less luck. We did find that our copy was a little bit sticky, I guess, with some of the slots requiring a lot of pressure to push a new cube in, and then once it goes, the other cube goes flying out the other side. But I think as we play it more and more, that's going to be less of a problem. I think so, too. Yeah. So, Anitra, do we recommend Top Trump's Match? Well, Top Trump's Match is easy to understand, easy to play, and there's room for a few variations on how to use the cards, whether you want more or less luck. The case design makes it super easy to clean up, and it stays cleaned up once it's put away. And they put the badge of what it is on the case. So if you have a couple of these, you're not having to open them up and figure out which one is which, which is smart. I'd recommend Top Trump's Match for any family with younger kids. This is a game that kids as young as four years old could play with their friends or with their grandparents. So this isn't a game that's going to blow anybody away with its complexity or its ingenuity or anything like that. But for what we have here, this is a great family game. What are we going to rate this, Anitra? We're going to rate Top Trump's Match four and a half cubes out of five. And that's Top Trump's Match in, in a, a snap. snap. And we're back. So we're here with JP Dacos. Your channel name is Little Big Thumbs, and your tagline is whether you're playing with little players or big ones, make sure you're playing games that make your thumbs go way up. <laughs> I like it. I mean, it's a theme. You know, it works. It's memorable. It's got a nice kind of Siskel and Ebert kind of reference in it. I, you know, I dig it for us old people. <laughs> All right. So which came first, the tagline or the name? Uh, the name. The name. So I first started creating content as an occasional contributor to a blog called The Daily Worker Placement. And All so right. I think maybe once every three months or so, I would contribute an article to that blog. And the name that I gave that series was Little Thumbs, Big Thumbs. And at the end of it, we would say, how many thumbs does it get from the little players? How many thumbs up does it get from the big players? And then, you know, right around the time the pandemic hit, I started thinking about doing some more interactive, creative exploration with the kids because we were stuck at home for months upon months. So we started working on, on videos. And along the way, one of the, one of the thumbs got dropped out of the name. Uh, to bring it down to, to little little big thumbs, and it, it kind of had it rolls off the tongue a little bit better, I think, than the the previous name, and that's how the name came to be. So I think I first became aware of your content with uh, Tuneful Tuesdays on Instagram. Yes, this would have been early in 2021. I don't know, like February or something. I was yeah. immediately hooked. I was like, oh, somebody else who loves board games and sings silly songs about them and isn't ashamed to do so. <laughs> I sing silly songs about them, but rarely wear a microphone. <laughs> don't you know they're always listening? Yeah, but not in a way that's effective for us to use for our content. Come on. <laughs> 
So we've already kind of talked about this, but I love that you've always been talking about board games from a family perspective, you know, little thumbs and big thumbs, Mm -hmm. but you're never just focusing on kids games, Mm -hmm. nor are you only focusing on, you know, the adult crunchy hobby games. It's like, let's just find games that are fun. What games are fun? Well, I, you know, I think a blend is kind of always going to be the, the best way to go. Right? I mean, that's that's what I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, that's kind of our thing. Like, <laughs> In case you have not been uh, listening to the first half of this show where we talk about, uh, you know, a heavy Euro and then a bunch of mass market games that we play. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Exactly. exactly. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, if I can loop back to the Tuneful Tuesday for a moment there. Absolutely. Please. I think maybe I, I probably had, I don't know, several months where I was doing those on a weekly basis. And, and those are super fun to do. Uh, again, during the pandemic, not having the opportunity to go out and rehearse and perform for people, trying to find a way to still kind of foster that that part of, you know, my core, but also find a way to, as a, as a new content creator, how do you stand out from the pack? What do I offer that maybe other people don't? And that's, that's a, a big, loud voice. Um, <laughs> and, and so- That's, so that's in tune. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> when it's done right, yeah, absolutely. So I have absolutely. a big loud voice. I cannot promise. It's <laughs> yeah, and I did. A, I did a few where I was just instead of singing about a game, I just sang thirty seconds and just put it up. And it was uh, Stella at, at Meeple University that that one day said, "Why don't you try like teaching a game through song?" And I was like, "That sounds impossible, but I should try it." <laughs> and so I, I did, and I, I, those were a lot of fun. They tend to be a lot of work. You don't say. That's <laughs> <laughs> sort of one that's that's in in working its way through my brain factory right now. I'm sure it'll be out sometime in the next couple of weeks. But at, at some point along the way, I got a job. I got a, a real job and, and a big boy uh, job. <laughs> a big boy job. That's right. Uh, and fortunately for me, it was actually working in the board game industry. It took so much of my energy away from content creation that Tuneful Tuesdays kind of had to take a backseat just for time management purposes. But it's always in the back of my mind, and I'm hoping to every now and then bust one out, especially for those who, who remember the good old days of the weekly Tuneful Tuesdays like yourself. Well, just do them to the Wellerman tune, and then all your lyrics. <laughs> If I remember correctly, you did a great one with uh, with Les Mis and One Day More a, a little right. while back. Yes, yes. I think it was about shelves. Game, game shelves. <laughs> one That's cube right. more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I see. I, I could see myself coming up with parody lyrics. I just don't think anybody would want to actually listen to me sing them. You lyric them. I will sing them. I'm happy to sing them. Oh, boy. Are we promising? Are we committing to I'm something? I'm not promising here? anything. <laughs> I am okay. I am not that kind of fool. Okay, because because I mean that could be a TikTok thing. It could be. All right, and well, we'll maybe see. possibly someday you will see that, but uh, not today. <laughs> today is not that day. <laughs> uh, also, in a rush to attempt to change the subject, JP, is this job in the board game industry such that you have uh, something that you would like to shill? I'm going to give you the opportunity to do so if you would like to. Well, uh, I, I certainly can tell you about the work that I do. I'm My title is Editorial Manager for Off-Duty Ninja. Oh, okay. This is a, a board game marketing agency. Mm-hmm. And, and so we provide a variety of services for board game publishers and, and other uh, relevant companies. Sometimes that takes the form of providing social media content. Sometimes that is providing support for Kickstarter campaigns, advertising some things behind the scenes all sorts of things. And it's a super fun job. I got into working in board games in between opera gigs 10-ish years ago by working at uh, the Snakes and Lattes board game cafe in Toronto. Oh, sure. Very cool. And found my way into a management position there, which led me to move to Nova Scotia, where I live now, to help open another board game cafe here called the Boardroom Game Cafe. And somehow, I feel like probably through a degree of of uh, stumbling and privilege, I would say maybe, but I wound I wound myself in this position where I am now, where I get to write about all sorts of different board games on a daily basis. I get paid for it. And that's a pretty cool job. Awesome. We have actually done cool. work with Off Duty Ninja. There we go. Not yeah. with you, otherwise I would have known. Say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, uh, great folks, Kira and John D mm-hmm. are wonderful. Yeah. So. All right. So, what's the content schedule for Little Big Thumbs? Air well, the, I, certainly there's a there's a goal. I stopped I stopped trying to commit myself to one video per week. 
a while back, but I aim for one video per week. And if I hit that, then great. If I don't, then, you know, the world is not going to fall apart. You don't beat yourself up about it. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the goal right now. We've got a number of different uh, video themes that we do. We've got our dexterific videos where we focus on dexterity games that are usually great for both kids and adults. Uh, We've got our Fab Five, which is sort of a list series where we, we take five games that fit a theme or or, uh, or just say, these are five games that I love right now. Well, we did a little book review for Ambi Valdez. For her for, upcoming book, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, board Game Day. Board yeah. Game Day, exactly. That was so fun. And it was, it was nice because it was pretty easy to put together. It was just Big Bean and myself, uh, well, Big Bean reading through the book. And every now and then, then being going, wait a second, I know that game. We have that <laughs> game on the shelf right there. Awesome. And nice. then talking about it at the end, what other games do you want to see in this book? And that's led to some cool conversations since the video coming out with other friends in the industry about how do I get how do I get my game? <laughs> <laughs> Which has been neat. It's been neat. I haven't had very many videos come out that have led to those sorts of conversations. Yeah. Mm. So that's been neat. So I'm always trying to think you know, one or two videos ahead of what I might want to produce content for, but also when inspiration strikes, you ride the wave. Usually that leads to easier content production than forcing myself to fit into a particular schedule. So um, I'll ask you this question. I assume, since you are a creative sort, that most of the ideas for your videos come from your head. Have ideas for videos come from Big or Little Bean? And if so, what is your favorite video that you've done that came from them? That was their idea. That's a great one. I think probably the, the ones that we didn't make My my older daughter really would love to be one of those people that gets to unbox brand new toys, just just get free toys sent to the house. That's Mm -hmm. the one thing that we that we've not done. But my uh, big bean, my older daughter, loves to read. I don't know if we did something right or whether she was just her her brain was in the right place at the right time to pick it up. But she was reading from a young age, and she just books are her thing, and so. She had the idea to make a video where it was sort of like sort of a wine pairing video, but with books and games. And so I think it was a list of maybe three, I want to say three or five books. Uh, These are books that I'd like to see become a game. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That actually inspired an episode of our podcast. (laughs) We talked about books and games. Really? I think that was probably before I was subscribed. I'll I'll have to look that one up, go back in the archives. But I think the inspiration for that was actually probably the color monster, also from from Devere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The color monster being a fantastic children's book, but also a really a game about exploring uh, emotions and putting words to them. Yeah, and taking a young child and saying, "Tell me about a time that you felt sad," and then hearing maybe something, maybe something I did to make her feel sad is like, oh. That's a, it's a great opportunity for a conversation that we might have not had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyways, that was the inspiration for the books and game pairing video. And that's probably the, the one I would, I would love to do more of those, but we've only done the one up to this point. That's adorable. Have you seen the board game librarian? Because she does some stuff like that as well. Absolutely. I lo- love, love what Jen does. Yeah, you two should collab. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I would pay the extra Patreon for the bonus episode. <laughs> collaborating on that one. How is it trying to bring your youngest into the videos? Because I remember what it was like trying to do anything structured around board games with a uh, four or five year old. And uh, it can be tough. I, I think that like in the early days of Little Big Thumbs, I tried really hard to involve them in every step of it and try to kind of write about what we were going to write about and be there for the filming and sort of help to read some of the scripting. And that was great for maybe two videos. And then they were like, this is boring as all get out. I don't want to do this anymore. It's making me dislike Mm -hmm. games and it's making me dislike time with death. And so that was not a thing to do. And so now it's coming up with those ideas, each idea that I'm preparing for to say to them, uh, this is what I want to do. Do you want to be involved? And some days it's like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to do that. And and some days it's, yeah, absolutely. Let's go hang out in the studio and get to play a game and have that time together. And making sure that I'm not putting anything more on either of them than they really genuinely want to have. That's made for like meaningful, uh, really fun time together. And that translates, I think, into probably 
playful, connecting content for viewers. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I think that's the tactic. I think that answers your question. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, we, we, we found some of the same. Um, you know, there have been kind of misfires. There are videos floating around on the YouTube that, you know, are, are cringeworthy at this point where we do a full presentation with a child just kind of sitting there like, yep, there's something going on around me, you know, just <laughs> whatever. One of them, one of them, I actually turned into an outtake where I'm sitting there trying to make a video with one of our kids and we're walking through and, and then I'm like, okay, and now you say this. And he turns to me and he's like, do I have to say that? <laughs> I was like, dude, five minutes ago, you told me you wanted to yeah, be part of this. Right? What's yeah, going yeah. on? So it's, you know, for us, it's been an interesting exploration with our kids and, and finding out kind of what they want to do. Because our oldest daughter, our 13 year old, she likes doing unboxings, but the kind of unboxing where you don't see her, you just like see her hands and you just <laughs> see her taking like she likes that part of it. Our 11 year old doesn't usually want to be on video. He will occasionally, but he's interested in the idea of doing video editing. And also, our, he's he's always up for playing a game. Yeah. Oh, and he's, he's a huge every gamer. time. Our seven year old is a maniac. So <laughs> sometimes he wants to be on video. Sometimes he doesn't want to be on video. Sometimes he wants to bang pots together, even though we told him that we're recording. You know, whatever. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's the one who will definitely bring a lot of personality to video. Oh, he would be an amazing YouTuber. Well, he could keep it together. Focus. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's maybe how we should sell this to him in the future. Be like, when you do this, you're being a YouTuber. <laughs> that's where these videos go. Oh my on gosh. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I think you're right, though. Like, I think that there's something about that dynamic where kids seeing that you're respecting their boundaries and kind of working with them. And, you know, e even when you're indicating like, this is the thing that like, you know, we kind of need to do something with this, but what works for you and figuring that part of it out, I think is really, really important. You know, I mean, like, obviously, you know, consent and all these kinds of conversations are really big things right now, but living that stuff out is really important. Even though, you know, we're parents and we have authority, having our kids see that we respect their autonomy is really important. And it helps them, I think, at least for us, get them a little bit more excited about doing things they actually want to do and not just the, Ugh, I have to go do the thing. Yeah. So. yeah. Sort of following up on that, one of the solutions that I've found making it for an efficient use of the time is just deciding that like the, the video I made for the Go Pop Presto game that, uh, that we talked about a little bit ago, that was one where the kids clearly were not interested in being involved in the video. So I just put a little script together. I recorded that. And then the, uh, it's called B-roll footage. It's just us playing the game. It's just when they're taking a turn, film a little bit of what they're doing. And that's how they become involved in the video. And on their end, they are equally proud to be involved in the video in that way as they are uh, sort of trolling me with, uh, <laughs> with, with the, way, the way they do when they're actually on, on camera uh, and interacting with me and filming all of, all of those fun moments. So that's been another approach. Yeah, that's completely fair. I think there are a lot of different ways that parents who are interested in this sort of thing can bring their kids along. And the important thing is just to figure out what works for you and what honors how involved your kids want to be. Right. Absolutely. I think that last part is super, super, super important. And, you know, people may watch videos of kids being super involved and be like, why can't my kids be like that? Well, just Cause they're not like, mm. you know, we do feel that whole, like, how do I get my kids more involved in board games? I was like, I hope they like board games. Some, I mean, sometimes you don't, yeah, sometimes you don't. So, and that that's a, great. that's a hard pill to swallow, mm -hmm. but necessary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, last question, I think, at least for me is what do you see coming next for little big thumbs? And it's kind of a boring answer, but, I think the answer is consistency. That's the goal, is just to be producing consistent quality and output and kind of showing their journey with games. My older daughter, is is she's just a couple of days away from turning seven. Uh, and so our, our next thing together is probably going to be recording her five favorite games as a six-year-old. And then thinking ahead to Little Bean's next birthday, it'll be her five favorite games as a five-year-old. And so seeing that and then being able to look back and maybe even compare what one child's experience was as a five-year-old versus the other's experience as a five-year-old. Yeah. And see where that overlap is. And who knows? I, I'm sure that developmentally, the my older child is probably 
about to start sprinting ahead of whatever my expectations <laughs> are. And so how that translates into what games we play and how that reflects the experience that we have with Little Big Thumbs is something, I don't know, to be just ready to go with the flow and share their passion for games where it's at at the time that we capture it on film, if we do at all. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, in the future, as mm-hmm. we wrap this up, if people want to go along on that voyage with you, where would they find you on the internet, Mr. JP? It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's at Little Big Thumbs pretty much everywhere. Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, Facebook. We even occasionally put up things on TikTok. I would say they're not terribly popular or terribly good, but they're there. <laughs> Got to get into the algorithm, man. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Andrew, where can you find us oh, on the internet? I know the answer to that one. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh, probably with roughly the same regularity as Little Big Thumbs on TikTok at Family Gamers AA. You can also head over to our Facebook community. The easiest way is to go to thefamilygamers.com slash community. It'll bring you right in there or just search for the Family Gamers community on Facebook because you're probably on Facebook as you're listening to this podcast anyway. You can also head over to our YouTube page. It is youtube.com slash thefamilygamers and you can see all of our snap reviews well, the last 100 or so. Yeah, all of our snap reviews <laughs> from the past year and change. Yeah, including the one that you just heard the audio for, Top Trump's match. And you can see the cool thing with the cubes and the... Pop, and the pushing them through, yeah. If you have facts that you would like to send to me to save me from having to read off a list of Guinness Book of World Records facts, because I can't find anything, because I'm telling you, it's getting harder and harder, you can email me, Andrew, at thefamilygamers.com. If you want to, I don't know, commiserate, uh, you can email me, Anitra, at thefamilygamers.com. Don't send me your facts. I don't care. (laughs) Commiserate about what? Dealing with me? Yes. (laughs) Well, thanks for nothing. Uh, Check out our our new Family Gamers and Play Games with Your Kids merchandise. We have t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and stuff at thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. Including the design by our daughter, a balanced... Life is a controller in one hand and a meeple in the other. Yes. Oh, that's lovely. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast subscription source is. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. All right. Well, JP, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a ton of fun to talk about content creation with kids and how it's never what we expect, but always fun. (laughs) It's been a super treat. Absolutely. It's been great having you on. And as we just mentioned, uh, the Family Gamers community, JP is part of that. So if you have questions for him, you can ask him there too. Um, You can certainly do that. But I think that's going to be it for us this week. All right. You got it. So until next week, everybody, play games with your kids. kids.